Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. How are you? Well, I, I'm Mrs. Voorhees, an old friend of the Christie's. And the storm. That's why you're upset. No, no, no. They're all dead. They're all dead. All right, all right. I'll go look. No, no, please don't leave me. They'll kill you too. I'm not afraid. Good evening and welcome to television. G'day! Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. We absolutely do, and Philip, we've got a special guest with us. Yes, we do. Welcome back, Kendall. Yay! Yay! They can't keep me away, I love it. Oh, we just never let you go to begin with, Kendall. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Send help. Um, <laughs> no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Trust, you know, there's nothing in this tea. It's, it's delicious. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me back, guys. Oh, it's, it's always a pleasure. A, always, always a pleasure for us as well. Curious though, what have you been watching since the last time you were with us? Well, well, I um, commemorated International Women's Day on mm. the 8th of March by watching probably my favourite film mm. uh, starring three phenomenal women, and that is The First Wives Club. Oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't own me. <laughs> yes, I had to. Had to do it. Uh, yeah, it's one of my all-time favourites. I've been a fan of it since I was a kid growing up and watching that, and it's just so funny. Just watching Diane Bett and Goldie just just be hilarious yeah. and, and get you know get even get revenge on on their their men who have <laughs> left them for younger women and, oh. and and then just you know fight for for women's rights and and it's just yeah it's just a, such a wonderful and fun and just upbeat kind of film and just I love it I can always return to it and just find myself pissing myself laughing <laughs> yeah, every it is time. Movie. It's so great. It I love movie. it. Yeah. Three very talented leads. Oh, out. for sure. Yeah. And a great supporting cast too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got freaking um, Victor Garber, Dan, Dan Hedaya, mm. uh, Maggie Smith, Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker. Like, yeah, it's just phenomenal all around. Absolutely. Yeah. And how about yourself, Philip? Well, I did something kind of similar. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and I watched uh, Hidden Figures. Ooh. Now, I've actually watched this before, but I quite enjoy the movie. It's, it's so good, isn't it? It's really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for those who don't know, it's uh, basically about uh, three African-American women who um, helped NASA during the moon landings. Hmm. Well, yeah, they, well, they, they were the first women to put... Uh, well, they, they helped John Glenn go yes. into space. I think he was the first American in space, or yes. at least the first one to do the orbit before the Russians. Yes, that was it. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. yeah, so they, they were... Sorry, I wasn't up. concentrating on the, the, the space stuff. I was concentrating <laughs> on the women. Yeah, well, yeah. as the resident space nerd of the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, to, yes. but no, it's, it's, yeah, it's such a good film. I'm glad you, you liked it. Yeah, no, absolutely enjoyed it. So, yeah, that, that's what I did. Nice. And Wayne, how about yourself? Well, I... I finally got around to watching the horror comedy Ready or Not. Oh, uh, yes. is it good? It is. You know what? It begins with familiar territory and yeah. then goes in a way that you wouldn't expect. And there are elements of it that I really liked. And then there were other ones that I'm like, oh, I wish it went this way instead. But look, I'll give it credit. Mm -hmm. The ending is unpredictable. Okay. <laughs> um, and it is a lot of fun. There's 
a lot of great humor. Of course, these types of films, it's all about the the joy and the creativity of the kills. Yeah. And this one has a great dark sense of humor through it. Mm. It wasn't quite what I expected. Okay. But I did like it, and I think mm. you would like it too. Okay, I think I would. Yes, it Phil, probably not so much. <laughs> 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 nice. Okay, I, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Nice. And what's today's film, Wayne? Well, today we're reviewing the classic 1980 slasher, Friday the 13th. Please explain. Having been shut down for a number of years and after several unexplained incidents, Camp Crystal Lake is set to reopen for the summer. But when cook Annie Phillips, Robbie Morgan, is murdered on her way to the camp, it isn't long until the facility's counsellors begin disappearing, one by one. Sean S. Cunningham's quick cash grab to capitalise on the success of John Carpenter's Halloween to simply keep the lights on, not only launched one of the most iconic figures in popular culture, but also proved that the low-budget slasher could be turned into a formidable franchise. But Kendall, did you lose your head for Friday the 13th? Did I lose my head? Mm. Very good question. This is not my first viewing mm. of this film. As a horror fan myself, as you know, Wayne. Um, yes, this is probably my, you know, 12th. Oh, you probably said <laughs> it. Yeah, I lost count. Not your 13th. Not your 13th. <laughs> Beat me by one second. Mm. Yeah, so I've seen this a few times. Mm. Uh, this is the first time I've watched it in a couple of years, I think. But um, yeah, no, it is it is great. It's definitely, definitely has that low budget vibe mm. to it. Like, yeah, just the way... You know, the way it's shot and the, the kind of, I don't know, the, the choices that Cunningham makes with his style and the cinematography. Yeah. It's very interesting, but it's very, it's like, I think they make the most of it, what like what they can with what they, you know, what they have to work with and mm. stuff in those scenes. Some of the acting's a bit come and go, mostly for me in the, uh, some of the, towards the end of the film, just between Alice and, and Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah. Some, mm. some of the fighting is a bit... I don't love it, but you can tell that they're trying not to break an old woman. Well, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say. I don't, I will, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't say that. Well, but... it's funny you say that, Philip, because it was uh, actually Adrian King who played Alice, who got injured during those fight scenes. Oh, did not she really? Betsy Palmer. <gasps> there you go. Betsy actually slapped her. Oh, yep. That was legit slapping. <laughs> At one point. At they one got point. so frustrated wow. that uh, Betsy just went for it, and yes, had Adrian. In tears. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, the, well, I mean, the slapping was probably the high point of the fighting, actually. Now that you say that. No, but but like that aside, like mm. it's it's a really good slasher film. I mean, you know, it's one of the the first kind of big ones, almost. Yeah. Like not the not the first one ever, but mm. you know, the first kind of big cult hit, I suppose. Like following Halloween, as mm. as, you, as you mentioned, and. There are, I don't know, there's some, some some bad pacing in certain parts, just like some focus on things that just, I'm like, okay, let's, let's keep going. But, mm. but for the most part, there's a lot of scenes I think where, where that kind of works because you're, you're building the tension and I kind of like how the killer goes around and, and, you know, takes care of them one by one Yeah. and nobody knows anything of what's going on until it's just Alice and she's the only person. That's right. There's the, that wonderful reveal at the end. Yeah. The reveal is so good. Yeah. And I absolutely just love uh, Betsy Palmer as uh, Pamela Voorhees. Absolutely. I think <laughs> she's fantastic. A little, I mean, a little, little hammy, yes. but in the right way. I yeah. Think. It's kind of in the spirit 
of the film, Definitely, I think. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, and Kevin Bacon, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy yeah. him quite a bit. You're going to camp blood, ain't you? You'll never come back again. It's got a death curse. So if anything, Friday the 13th is a traditional campfire story, really. Yes. You know, it's all about the, the anticipation mm-hmm. more more than anything, I mm-hmm. think. Phil, you love campfire stories. Mm. <laughs> Things that go bump in the night. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find this um, scary story? Oh, look, to be honest, for all the hype around it, mm. I was underwhelmed. Mm. However, looking at it from the era, mm. it is one of those things I've probably watched it at the wrong time. Mm. I've watched it in an era where that sort of gore is on every episode of Game of Thrones, where that sort of film technique has been parodied to death. Mm. Um, the actual movie itself has been parodied to death. Yes. So I've probably watched it at a bad time. Mm. Even trying to look at it objectively, mm. I really... I was not a fan of most of the acting. Mm. I'm not a fan of the story arc and tropes. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the whole... It's almost a gore for gore sakes sort of thing. I got tired of, oh, okay, and you're going to die as well. Oh, and you're going to die as well. And you're going to die too. (laughs) By the end of it. And again, I know a little bit of that is that knowledge that, yeah, I know that one person gets out at the end. But even then, I'm just sort of like, even trying to put myself into the shoes Mm. of someone who would have seen it originally. I don't know. I just, for me, it was like, after the third or fourth killing you're like okay i get it everyone's dead Mm. we it's now a a guessing game of okay is everyone going to be dead or is one or two people gonna survive and i got almost too academic in it Mm. well it's the fun of the slasher and it's why Mm. horror fans love slasher films i think uh, as a subgenre, there's lots of subgenres in terms of horror, and slasher yes. is my favourite because this is where you get to have fun with the film. That's true. So it follows a familiar template. So the template that writer Victor Miller copied was that of Halloween. Because mm-hmm. Sean is cunning and said, Halloween's making a lot of money, let's rip this off. Yeah. I'm very blatant about it. So Victor Miller, who actually wasn't a horror fan at all, watched Halloween, took notes, and then constructed this story. Okay. It feels it. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Halloween. However, I recently did revisit Halloween before watching Friday the 13th. The reason why I think Friday the 13th stuck out so much for people at the time and why it has endured in popular culture and why it is revered as such a classic and significant in the horror genre. We we do not have modern day horror movies without Friday the 13th. No, I I agree. So it is incredibly significant was because it took the best elements of Halloween. It took the best elements of Jalo cinema from Italy. It took elements from classics like Psycho. Mm, And it took elements from contemporary films like Carrie. And it put them into a blender Mm. and it produced something that no one had seen before. Yeah. Gore for gore's sake. Absolutely. They're the gags. Mm. They're the reasons that we not only see these movies, but why we enjoy them. It becomes a guessing game of who will live and who will die, but also how do they die? Or how do they have near escapes? Mm. The creativity in these kills 
is just absolutely phenomenal. Yes, not the first slasher. No one in American cinema, at least, or mm. British cinema, had delivered graphic kills like this before. That's true. And, and that's understandable, because again, you say creative kills where I sort of, my brain goes straight to, well, it, that was actually something I found lacking, that it was just like, you know, the kills were all a few seconds and that it was all just sort of slice and dice. And mm-hmm. I thought, but you are right, for the era, for the time, that's, yeah. that's what you're going to sort of think of. That's I what think, I was going to say as well. I think yeah. one of the other issues I have with this, and again, I understand I'm bringing a contemporary thing. I'm really struggling this mm. time to switch off my contemporary brain. Mm-hmm. But that, I think, is also because I've never enjoyed slashes. I've yeah. never enjoyed horror mm. to begin with. So, as I think I've said in the past, the one of the few horror genres I actually enjoy is the psychological horror. Yes. Mm. Which I actually... Whilst I wouldn't sit down and watch it again and again, mm. I actually remember enjoying Nightmare on Elm Street mm. because even though it's still that sort of slasher thing, it is that psychological play and the kids in the end start to get an upper hand on this bad guy mm. as opposed to this one where it's, I'm just going to run and throw things. I mean, I f- she picks up a bat and a, a pointy thing, mm. and then just leaves. Yeah, them. yeah, definitely. And, and I'm sort of sitting there going, it, "It's too, it's too, for me, it's too dumb." Well, yeah, I, 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 can, mean, I can kind of agree yeah, with you. And, and I'm trying to say that as politely as possible. Because because it wasn't just that; it was like the the, the rope on the door, and I'm like that should be enough. Like, because like you can't open that if you're pulling; you have to rip it. And we get that and she's then panicking. She, and then you, you get, but I don't think she's even panicking enough. To be, or the or the the way the camera is focusing on her in those mm. moments, I don't think mm. it's effective enough to really communicate yeah. well, how distressed she is. For me, it was to like be making silly decisions like that because it just looks stupid yeah. to me. That's how I feel. Well, one thing that we learn about Alice very early on, <laughs> and I try uh, and I try not to chuckle um, when I'm introducing this film to people because when I have people who've seen the film before, I laugh out loud. Uh, <laughs> is that we do learn that Alice does not work well under pressure Uh, we we know that from when she thinks that ned is drowning because she throws him the life preserver once he reaches the dock uh, when it becomes useless she barricades herself yes kendall with a rope with furniture and chairs uh, for a door that opens outwards not inwards and then the fact that she's like she's done that and then she proceeds to pick up the bat, pick up the the, the, the pointy thing, as you mm. so eloquently put it, Phil. Because I don't know what it's called either. And then and then she and then like she starts to go. That I like look around like there's mm. some the person could be in here, and I'm just like you could have done that before you barrack. <laughs> and yeah, so she's yeah she's an interesting one. Yeah, one of the things, and if I expand into the franchise, which I will try really hard not to do, mm. I want to review this film in isolation, but. Overall, in terms of final girls, Alice is quite revered. She's not my all-time favourite, okay. uh, but she does hold a special place because she's the first final girl. Mm, true. And one of the things is is that she's not, you know, not the brightest spike, really. Bless her. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we, we, we get this, but I think that also makes Alice quite relatable as well. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, she's definitely relatable in that yeah, sense. Yeah. She's also... She does break the mould in terms of final girls that we've had in horror movies beforehand because we've had uh, Black Christmas before this, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. So yeah. a lot of you know more contemporary thrillers in its time. But one thing is that 
if we especially want to compare it to say Halloween where we've got uh, a plain Jane of Jamie Lee Curtis who is very academic and a virgin and you know very well behaved if you want Uh, you know very conservative and reserved and shy Alice is not any of these things at all and so it's actually quite refreshing that it goes against the trope of slasher films that still persist in some movies today where you know, the the smart virgin lives at the end. So I do like that Alice isn't this perfect heroine, mm. that she's got her own flaws. She's a bit unsure of herself, but she's friendly and likable. Yeah. She's accessible to me. It's yeah. the one thing that I yeah. do like about That's Alice true. as a protagonist and as a final girl is that... Well, you know what? Gosh, if I was holding a bat and a pointy thing, someone threw somebody else through a window, I'd probably drop everything and run for the closet too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just, I feel like that there's this relatability about her. You can project yourself onto her. And I I think Mm. on that as well, like, I like how the traditional trope in films like this is like the, the... the teenagers that have sex get killed yeah. and like or the the jerk gets it like, <laughs> yes. but in this film amongst the camp counselors you also see some like really genuinely good people nice people yeah. well, that are portrayed as such and they still bite the dust yeah. well i actually think all of the kids are they are in, in this one. it's well, one yeah, of the, it's one of the rare examples yeah. where they're all just lovely kids who get along with one another yeah, yeah ned is a bit of a joke stop but but he doesn't really do anything to... No, you know, he gives them a bit of a fright here and there. Yeah. You know, he lets his mouth run away with him a bit. Infamously dresses up like Native American. Yeah, that has not aged well. <laughs> not aged well. <laughs> his, his reaction to being caught by the uh, cop is priceless, though. Very yeah, hilarious. He's gorgeous. Yes. But in saying that, yeah, all of these kids are lovely. So yeah. it still sways from some of the tropes that yeah. existed at the time. I, I like that. And that are, this, yeah. yeah, that are emphasized and enhanced now. Mm. I actually think, and I know you mentioned a bit about the pacing earlier. Mm. There are moments where things do get drawn out a lot. And I was watching it a bit more critically this time around because, you know, for the purpose of review, one must. Yes. And one of the scenes that we could argue has a bit of a, I guess, unnecessary length to it is when Alice is making coffee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was watching it and I've just gone, do you know what? This scene actually really works. I know how it all plays out, but the tension that's built up, the way the camera follows her, the way it holds on the pantry as she goes in for the sugar and comes out. Is someone else going to be in the room when she comes back in? This is the type of camera techniques and directing techniques Tarantino does today. Yeah, true. Someone who he himself has said, and he does this specifically in Pulp Fiction, where there's stuff that you would leave on the cutting room floor, and he's always said, no, the best things are on the cutting room floor, so he just puts them in. Mm. Here, Cunningham does draw out this tension because like all good scary stories do is that we build up tension and then we go safe Mm. and something that is domestic yes it's a cabin in the woods but it's a kitchen we all make tea and coffee it's familiar yeah and it's terrifying to think that someone is there observing you yeah we hint at that because the camera's a little bit shaky sometimes yeah Mm. i i I really like that in the scene where uh bill goes to the generator to Mm. see if he can fix it and 
you're you're in there with him and he's doing he's checking it doing the thing but then the camera changes to almost that pov shot yeah. which yeah. has been kind of the killer's yeah uh, you know perspective throughout the movie and you're thinking okay this is the moment where he turns around he gets it but then the camera just keeps watching him following and he turns around doesn't obviously the person isn't there and then you hard cut to um Alice waking up screaming, Bill, yes, had a bad dream, and you don't need to see him die, you, no. just, you just know. Absolutely. And it's really, I think I like that a lot. Yeah, and his reveal, his death reveal it is great. Yes, it is. It, it, it Powerful. It combines awesome. a lot of techniques that are used for scares of yeah. the person just appearing, yeah. and then the different types of deaths. He's had a brutal death. He's had his throat um, slid, he's got arrows, arrows in his body, throwing, and he's yeah. been, you know either tied or nailed to this door yeah and for someone who is really sweet Mm. and and, and genuine and and very helpful and potentially a love interest for alice even though she's got history with steve Mm. you sense that Mm. she's kind of been put off steve and is swaying towards bill it makes his demise all the more tragic yeah and and i think all the more powerful too in the fact that he's the first like, because he's the first body that Alice sees when, yeah. she, when she realizes that, you know, everything's gone to hell yeah, at, this, at this camp. Yeah. You know, and I, so I just love the fact that out of all of the deaths, like, his is the one that's kind of the most violent. Yeah. But, you know, just in appearance, even though you don't see it happen. No, and sometimes just leaving things to your own imagination. Yeah. This if, film does that really well. I mean, yeah. for what Phil was saying about the, the gore before, mm. I think, I, I, I think. Cunningham makes really smart choices with not showing certain deaths. Yes. Like with Ned before, like when he, you know, we just see him walk into the cabin. Yeah. We know what's happened to him, but they, they don't show his death. Yeah. And you just see him, you know, on the bed above, you know, above them as they're getting busy. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. And I just, and it's just, you know, I slit through. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awful, but Absolutely. Um, I just, I, yeah, there's that. And like, you don't need to see everybody. And even when, when Steve mm. is killed, you just kind of see a, a glimmer of his reaction to yes. being attacked. And then they cut like there's, so there's, I don't think, I don't really think there's, too much gore. I think there's just enough, but at the time, I think it probably would have been yeah. pretty confronting. Mm. I think it's well balanced, and it if we, is, even yeah. we're going to talk about as well really good deaths. I think Brenda's death is pretty amazing when she's there on the archery yeah. field, and we get almost like that premonition before when Ned is mucking around with the there arrow. There is so much foreshadowing in this film. Yeah, it's I, crazy. Yeah, and we get this thing and this is how Barry Abrams who shot this so yes. the cinematographer mm-hmm. the way he frames this film is absolutely phenomenal yeah. when the kids are about to get it we close in on them mm. and they're always trapped within the frame yeah we're seeing them through a window we're seeing them a little close up but we're sort of half in the room and half not it's very claustrophobic. Yeah. And even though Brenda, when she's there on the archery field and it's raining and she's soaked and she thinks she's hearing this child calling for help, it's the only death where we start to zoom out and go wide. That's true. And even though it's this huge field, it's this huge space, it's this huge camping ground, it still feels very closed in and trapped. We cut away and you hear her scream mm. and we only find out what happens later when yeah. she gets thrown through a window so aggressively. Yeah. It is so beautifully shot and beautifully done. Mm. And it's the stuff that you don't see. It's yeah. the, these implications of that these kids are really trapped. Mm. It's a gorgeous contradiction that you've got this wide open space 
and yet they're still confined somehow. Yeah, they're, they're still backed into these corners that yes. they can't get out of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think what also makes the film quite scary is Harry Mandrafini's amazing score. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the way it just sort of ramps up when it needs to ramp up, where it goes dead silent when it needs it as well. And, of course, the famous... <laughs> uh, yeah. from you know kill ma yeah uh, that is the killer's theme music so yeah. that's introduced from the get-go it is yeah when we're all the way back in 1958 mm. and we've got the kids singing songs there and barry and claudette go away to make love yes <laughs> <laughs> and that first kill is I think really well done because these kids are caught by an authority figure. We know that Mrs. Voorhees, or we learn, has a problem with kids making love yeah. <laughs> when they should be watching other children. Mm-hmm. And we've got Barry copying it to, to, to the stomach. Yeah. yeah, it kind of happens off camera. And we have that slow approach of Claudette and she's throwing boxes and things to try to get in the way of the killer who we don't see and it has that gorgeous freeze frame of her screaming it's it's, Mm. that's very effective yes we flash to white because she is an innocent going to heaven heavenly white yeah and when we then jump forward and have annie getting killed it's the same flash to white Mm. so we know it's the same killer yeah and it foreshadows the loss of innocence throughout the movie yeah true yeah it's absolutely gorgeous yeah. the visual style the music mm. as well tom savini's special effects phil you weren't too impressed with them <laughs> uh, but they were so groundbreaking mm. at the time like the man is an absolute genius yeah and worked on other horror movies and stayed with the franchise forever yeah um kendall kevin bacon's death is mm. one of the most famous in horror history. It is, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Your thoughts on that? I remember watching it as a kid. <laughs> I was a teenager and um, and thinking that it looked like barbecue sauce was spilling yes. out from him. But watching it now, I'm like with a more trained film kind of eye, I suppose. You know, it's actually chocolate sauce. It's, a- <laughs> no, it's, actually, it's actually lamb's blood. Oh, there you oh, there you yes. go. Okay. Yeah, because it does look a bit more like yeah, proper, proper blood. Yeah, um, I believe it's lamb's blood. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, but no, it is really good, and it's it's I I, I yeah I, I love how unexpected kind of his his mm. death is. Like you know, I think you know the killer's in the room, or at least yeah. you you feel that because you know Ned's up above on the bed and they haven't suspected it. But yeah. I, but I'm guessing because that that moment where he's like lying there, and he's just having a smoke, and then like. Does he feel... Is that Ned's blood he's, I, he's feeling dripping I, on I him? sense he feels a drop of Ned's blood. That's what I thought they were going They're going for. And because I haven't seen the movie in a couple of years, I'd forgotten about it. But then I love how just, like, you know, in movies today, mm. there that that's a trope that's used quite often of, the, yeah. like, the, the, you know, death from above, kind of the, yeah. the blood trickling down and, you know, alerting someone. Like, they even do it in Aliens. Absolutely. Like, you know. Uh, and, yeah, I, so I just... I, in movies today they would kind of draw that out a bit longer if that's mm. what they're going for but like they don't hear they it's like maybe one or two seconds of him going what the hell no he doesn't even barely respond no. and then the hand just comes from the bed yes and it's and straight away there's no you don't get any time to kind of breathe in that and it's no. it's it's awesome yeah. and the effect is i think really powerful and really good i think i think I, so. I really like a lot of the effects that tom savini mm. has done i mean not some of them are a bit more obvious than others, I yeah. think, but like pretty damn effective. Oh, absolutely! And I can only imagine being like 
15, 16, 17 years old watching that film in 1980 and going, oh my... (laughs) God, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, kids went nuts for it because they, they were, were seeing people their own age. Yeah, so being there is that, like that. Re- relatability. But yeah. yeah, and also just when we think about Kevin Bacon's character of Jack, his death as well, mm. just the amount of brute force, force needed yeah, yeah. to pierce through through a, a mattress, mattress and then through his through the sternum, oh. through all the way back and oh, out. Yeah. Just that's again. It's what you don't see. It's yeah. the power behind yeah, I that. Love it. I love it's the it. same with Macy's death when she's in the bathroom mm. and she has the famous last words: "It must be my imagination." And we get that brilliant axe swing and axe to the face. Mm. And that's an amazing, amazing shot. It's an amazing use of of makeup and visual effects. And then we cut up to the light. And we see that the shade is sliced mm. because that axe was so damn sharp. It yeah. shows, again, the brute force and aggressiveness. That was probably the most impressive visual effect, seeing the axe yeah. embedded in her, in her skull like that. I yeah. think it was awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. 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 Phil? Yeah, so um, you mentioned just before about teenagers going to see this mm. and they're going for it. I'm curious, do you know what the actual response, obviously not per person, but the actual general response of teenagers at the time was? Oh, it would have been absolutely phenomenal. Because I do have a bit of a theory on how, and it sort of comes, it's not like it's my theory or rubbish like that, but on how film evolves throughout the ages Mm. and how it does grab the zeitgeist. Now, for example... There's been a good stretch of time in the sort of noughties and the the, the tens where we got a lot of superhero films. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because the era has been one of such turmoil Mm -hmm. that people want to, and uh, teenagers and, and people want to be able to have that escapism of a world that someone's there to rescue. Mm. Whereas this, this sort of feeling is that sort of, you know, uh, it comes back to that sort of horror trope that we were talking about earlier about sex will kill you, being a teenager and alone and all that is dangerous, but also this idea of helplessness. Nobody, unlike later slashes or unlike other movie styles where it is a bit more of a cat and mouse sort of game, this relies heavily on you don't even get the chance to face your murderer you don't get the chance to face the horrors Mm. you're dead that's it Mm. and i'm just curious to sort of know where that came from from that era versus again like now we've had a lot of sort of superhero movies because we're yearning for someone to take control we're yearning for that safety in an era where there is a lot of uncertainty people you know can attack from the masses and not even know whether it's a uh, it's not like an army marching in mm-hmm. suicide bombers etc uh, do play on people's minds sort of thing so mm-hmm. i'm wondering where this fits into that sort of oh, rhetoric gosh, phil you sound like film critic roger ebert <laughs> hated the franchise so much and said these movies are horrible they just teach kids that it doesn't matter what your hopes and dreams are you're all dead it's like fucking relax <laughs> And you know what? To that degree. No, but but, but this is the thing. How did kids react? They loved it. Mm. How do we know they loved it? Because A, it's their 
target audience mm. because the characters are their age. Mm. They're seeing yeah. themselves on screen. Mm-hmm. They're getting the thrill of the kill, of the chase, of the pursuit. Yes, you say it's not quite cat and mouse. This is almost like where you've got a group of mice that don't realize there's a cat until the yeah, final yeah. mouse is there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I want to reiterate why Alice is a good protagonist and final girl is because she is so helpless but she survives it and she's relatable because mm. she's not perfect she's not somebody who can just fend anyone off she gets the upper hand she gets overwhelmed yeah she does use her smarts at the end to yeah, decapitate that's, mrs Voorhees. she's a she's a real kid and so kids loved it yes how do we know this the film cost $550,000 to make. It took over $58 million at the box office. Wow. And it spawned 11 sequels yeah. Yeah. and countless, countless rip-offs. So if you look <laughs> at the number of slasher movies that followed this template mm-hmm. after the release of Friday the 13th, it tells you how the audience felt about it. Definitely. So kids... Did not particularly need anyone to rescue them. They didn't need any heroes. They were their own heroes. Their mm. kids are immortal. Yeah? yeah. What teenagers are. They got, yeah, no this, idea, yeah. This is the fun <laughs> bit. Why? Because, and let's face it, this was made for an American audience. Just like how Halloween was relatable because a lot of kids celebrate Halloween. A lot of kids go out trick-or-treating. Mm. A lot of kids babysit or have mm. been babysat yeah. while the parents are away over the weekend or whatever it is. Kids in the States go to summer camp. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're away from their parents. They're away from authority. It's relatable. Yeah, absolutely. This is why it was scary. And this is why it's effective. And this is why audiences loved it. And I think this is why it still works today. Yeah. Because even us in Australia, where we don't really do summer camps or anything like that, but we know what it's like to sort of be isolated. We know what it's like to be alone. True. And if I want to mention the scene again, when else is just there making coffee, (laughs) waiting for Bill. That's relatable. How domestic is that? Yeah. That's us, you know, on a Sunday night. Mm. (laughs) You know, that's us having friends over. And yet there's potentially somebody watching from the window waiting to jump. So Halloween did it in the suburbs, which is the number one reason why that movie is scary, considering most of it happens during the day. Mm. and actually has a lot of plot holes. (laughs) 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 I want to be critical on Halloween. But that's the core of why it's scary. Mm. And it's the same thing here. It's when you lose control. But if we're talking about the characters and the kids themselves, I might go through them one by one. So mm. you weren't that impressed with Alice as a final girl protagonist, clearly not as much as I am. Not, not, <laughs> not, maybe not as much. I, um, after you kind of going into her mm. a bit about who she is as a character, kind of has brought, has brought me around a little bit. I'm still kind of thinking she's, you know... She, I don't know, and I just, I don't know if it's her or if it's maybe the way she was directed or the way they decided to film, like I was saying earlier. But, but I can understand to agree, like, because I mean, I don't know what what I would do in that situation. Like, you're frantic, you're just trying to do everything you can to survive. So you, you, you know, you might not make the best decisions, mm. I guess. But I don't know it's just the way it was shown. I just, I, I just felt like it wasn't very effective. However, however, I do. Like Alice as a character, and throughout the film, she's you know she's very pleasant on mm. screen. She has a nice presence. She's very friendly, and 
and helpful and stuff. And so you can relate to her. You can. There's a bit of an awkwardness to her as well. And a little bit, yeah, a (laughs) little bit of an awkwardness to her because she's not as, I guess she's not as sure of herself as, you know, like Marcy is or, uh, or Brenda. Mm -hmm. Um, and definitely not as out there and like outgoing as Annie is. (laughs) Very, very friendly Annie, who I, I I really liked and felt felt bad that she died. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do like Alice as a character. It's just some of the things that she does in that final act that kind of just, just strange. And I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's Adrian King's performance Mm. or like I said, the way she's being directed or, or filmed that's uh, hampering that for me. So I don't love her as much as you do, but I don't hate her. And as a final girl, she's, you know, she's fine. Like she's, she's, she's fine for me. She's probably still the least less likely, isn't she? Yeah. 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 I think part of the problem comes down to our gut reactions because mm. us sitting around talking about it mm. can sit there and say, yes, I probably wouldn't do this mm. and I, I probably would do the same thing and mm. I'd drop the bat. But when you're in that gut reaction, mm. especially coming at it from years of mm. these sort of horror movies, you your gut reaction is almost that... Um, oh, well, I would have done it. You go straight into that mode. Mm. And when you've got a protagonist that is obviously trying to think and trying to, in a, in those more sort of cat and mouse style mm. ones, then you can at least go, oh, yeah, I'll do that too. Or, oh, yeah, I see. Oh. And everything that's come they come up against, every mm. issue, is more a case of, well, I tried to do this, but I was blocked by that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, because... Again, us sitting around can sit there and go, well, yeah, probably would drop the bat. But just in that moment while watching it, you go, oh, come on, grab the bat. Because we're in the safety of yes. the observer seat. But that's also the <laughs> fun of watching these movies as well. Like how many times is the beautiful blonde screamed at by an audience because she goes upstairs. Yeah. yeah. As is so uh, eloquently said by Nev Campbell in Scream. Yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Yes. But I think that's why mm. um, it sort of is sitting that little bit uneasily with us because we have had so many years of people trying to fix those uh, little uh, issues, mm. as it were. Whether it is an actual issue or not, mm. people have been trying to... End of the day, viewers, audiences, I think, will always sit there and go, I would... Mm. And so filmmakers for years have been going, okay, well, let's see what we can do to... Uh, <laughs> Overcomplicating it, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. it, exactly. So, again, while sitting down thinking about it, going, yeah, probably would uh, uh, drop the bat in fear and forget mm. that it was even there. Mm. Us sitting in the observer seat get, get frustrated because we're like, no, just grab the bat. I even sat there and thought grab the bat and tie the pointy thing to the end of it so not only have you got something to bludgeon, but you've got something to jab. But in the moment, would you actually not just have the time to do that, but the rationale? Uh, so I don't think I would. I think it just also depends on how much you would empathise with Alice a lot. I mean, we hear a whimpering throughout mm. <laughs> a lot of it. Mm. This girl's traumatised. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> this much. girl is traumatised. Yeah. So for me, it makes sense. Uh, you know, like I think just the way it, that pans out, mm makes sense her would be knight in shining armor who does face a bit of a a sad demise Mm. is bill played by harry crosby the third so being crosby's son no way yes there you go i saw crosby and i was like oh (laughs) surely it's a coincidence handsome fella he's the son of bing crosby yes 
a really strong character and a really amazing screen presence, I feel. Yeah, I really liked him. Yeah. Yeah, out of, out of all the guys, like, probably besides Jack, because, you know, Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. I have a, hot, a soft spot for him. Um, yeah, I really like Bill, and I really like his just general demeanor and the way he was, you know, like, the camaraderie he had with everyone, particularly Alice, and, yeah. and just his, like you know, oh, well, you know, something's broken, better go fix it. Yeah. Like Very much the alpha male of the group. Yeah, the alpha male, but without being too alpha male about yes. it, if well, you know what I mean. Ned makes the the gag when Jack and Bill go to look at the generator mm. about, you know, how macho they are yeah, and things true. like that. Yeah. Uh, and I do like that that's pointed out, actually. It's yeah. a lot about Ned. That Ned knows that he's not an alpha male and never will be, Yeah, which is why he relies on humour, I suppose, to have that accessibility and relatability there. Mm-hmm. But you're right, neither so Bill nor Jack are that, you know, let's puff our chests out and show no. what men we are or anything like that. No. They're really likable guys. Yeah. Like really, really likable. Mm-hmm. And I think it enforces the impact of Alice being the final girl because look at all of these other strong people that she has survived mm. more, more, more than others. It would have been great to though see a showdown between Bill and Mrs. Voorhees, <laughs> oh, I think. That would have been great. I feel like the only reason Alice even had a chance is mm. because I think Mrs. Voorhees had the element of surprise on every single yes. other person, and that's the only reason why she killed them, got, got away with killing them. Yeah, and I think yeah. Mrs. Voorhees would have underestimated Alice as well. Definitely. I think. For sh- oh, for sure. Yeah. The lovely Laurie Bartram as Brenda. I really like her. Brenda's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. A, a, a really sweet girl. And yeah, really yeah. nice. Very well spoken, and just and she's got a bit of a like a a, a cheeky side to her. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I liked her a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, I adored her. Mm. Uh, do we really need to talk about the wonderful Kevin Bacon? Uh, I mean, we probably don't, but um, but let's do it but anyway. Let's do yes, it anyway because it's Kevin Bacon. Because it's Kevin Bacon. Um, so this I, would have been one of his. Uh, very earliest film yeah, roles? one of his early ones, yeah. One, maybe a breakthrough-ish? Or was it Footloose that really broke him through? It was more Footloose, more Footloose? that yeah. broke through, yeah. That's fair enough. But look, by all accounts, he had fun making this movie. They all yeah. did, really. Yeah, yeah. Good. And I think, yeah, I you can see that he is one of the stronger performers he definitely here. Is, so it's yeah. no surprising that he continued to have a, a really good career, I feel. No, I agree. Except he can't dive to save <laughs> <laughs> you literally see who, what, I can't remember which, is, is it Alice or Marcy that dives off Marcy. first? Marcy. Marcy dives off first and she's great. And then Jack just kind of belly falls in the water. <laughs> I was just like, oh, bless. <laughs> I mean, desperate times, desperate measures. Like exactly. Like good on him for just jumping in. Yeah. But clearly he's not going to be on the swimming patrol when the kids arrive. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But yeah, but no, I love, I love, um yeah, Kevin Bacon in this film and, you know, he's, He's just, yeah, I don't know, just Jack is a really nice guy, a nice yeah. character. And yeah, it's a shame, you know, shame that he comes to such a grisly end like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got wonderful rapport with Janine Taylor, who played Marcy. Oh, absolutely. I love them as a couple. Me too. Absolutely and adore she's, them. she's so sweet as well. Yeah. And I love when she's telling that story about the, the nightmare she Ooh, has. Oh, you want to talk about foreshadowing. Yeah, right? I love that yeah. so much. So good. Again, it's using a horror trope, but it's using it so well. Yes. And yeah, it's quite a personal revelation, I suppose. Mm. There are a couple and it's the first time she's telling him about She feels comfortable yeah, yeah mentioning yes. that with him. And, and yeah, it's 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 gorgeous. Mm. There's the third wheel, which is Ned 
played by Mike <laughs> Nelson. I have to say, I have always loved Ned. No, He's I like Ned. Absolutely gorgeous. He's so funny. But I love that you get a dynamic, this insight into their dynamics, because you can see he's watching Jack and Morrissey having that conversation in the distance, and you can tell he's feeling mm. a bit bitter mm. about yeah, it. That he he's got feelings for Morrissey as well. Yeah. Well, we assume they're you for should. Morrissey. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and but again, Ned's such a good guy. It's funny though, for somebody who is such a joke star his last moments before death isn't during a gag. It's mm. when he's at his most sensitive and vulnerable. Yeah, true. Which, I, once again, makes it all that more tragic. Yeah, Because there's more to him than yeah. we realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like that they went down that route for his death instead of, you know, because they could have totally done, like, you know, the boy who cried wolf yeah. kind of trope. Absolutely easy to do. Because, you know, he pretended to drown. Yes. Just to, you know, just, just for a laugh. Yeah, which is actually a trope that they will use in part three. Just to, Oh, really? To okay, I, yeah. haven't seen, I haven't seen part three. Yeah. But yeah, I love the fact that, you know, they could have had this big drawn out scene of like, hmm. you know, of maybe of maybe Ned screaming for help and yeah. while he's actually being murdered and then the, the others just going, oh, Ned, whatever, like, just, you know, we're not falling for it again. Like, yeah. But they didn't do that. And they decide to just kind of have him, like you say, in this vulnerable moment of just feeling kind of mm. not great about about himself and uh, the situation he's in and then just to kind of go. Yeah, all of a just like disappears. That. Yeah. yeah. I, it's really, yeah, it's, it's really clever. Yeah, it's quite effective. Yeah. Yeah. We've got our Janet Lee. Of the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> played by Robbie Morgan. Yes, uh, you know you mentioned her before. She's such a, a, a you know a, a great kid and really, really chatty. And you can see that she would thrive oh, being yeah. a camp counselor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, more than anything. Uh, what's interesting about Annie's introduction, I suppose, is that essentially it's a cold opening almost. It is. But we've already had a cold opening. Yeah. With the yeah, so we, the film does start with. The two cold openings. Yeah. We could argue that we didn't particularly need the 1958 scene because it's mentioned and referenced throughout the film. Mm-hmm. First with the truck driver, mm-hmm. how he says, uh, you know, the two kids who died in 58, the boy who drowned the year before that's our mm. first indication about Jason. Mm. And, you know, then comes back round when Mrs. Voorhees is actually there talking to Alice. Mm. But I don't mind it, <laughs> to be I honest. I think it's fine because I think the movie, you know, a lot of horror films do this where they, you know, they, they need to have your first death or your, a big shock to keep the audience invested in it's the, the film. It's the hook. It's the hook, exactly yeah. right. So you need to have that uh, shocking death or demise or killing at the start of the film to really just establish the tone, establish mm. what kind of story you're telling. So I think, yeah, it to- it's totally fine that you kind of then almost do it again, especially because Annie doesn't die for a, not not quite a bit, but like, yeah. you, know, you know, a reasonable amount of time yeah. between first seeing her and, and, and when she inev- inevitably does die. But... I really enjoy Robbie Morgan just as just as her portrayal of just how upbeat and <laughs> and polite and friendly and like yeah. you know just so wholesome. Yeah, Annie is. I really I really like that. And it's a shame that we never get to see her interact with any of the other counselors because yeah. I I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, she would have loved Ned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got on like a house on fire. Yeah. yeah, I have to say overall with these kids, and I find this quite rare in a horror movie or really any movie when you get teenagers together 
they just gel so well. There is amazing rapport with this cast and with these characters. Mm -hmm. They're there for the purpose. There's no egos. They're all really helpful. They behave like they've known each other for years and years. Mm -hmm. They're just, yeah, I just can't get over, especially for a slasher movie, just how sweet these kids are and how well-rounded they are, how much fun they have together how much they support one another as well mm. stand up for each other mm-hmm. it's really quite sweet to see mm. and it underlines how tragic their deaths are oh, yeah. even more so because yeah. they're good kids yeah yeah very rare you didn't even have it in halloween no you know what this film models itself of yeah and even today friday the 13th from 1980 is still one of the very few films where you root for all the kids yeah. You root for all of them. Yeah. There's no joke. There's no bimbo. There's no yeah. bitch here that you just go, oh, you're going to die. You're gonna die. Well, it was kind of yeah. like I was saying like earlier, like it's, I like the fact that they don't go down that trope of, you know, the the jocks and the jerks that in the, the, the assholes. Yeah. There. There's none of that. There's no, you know, even though there, there is obviously sex in this film. Yeah. They, you know, they're that just because they're having sex doesn't mean they're bad people and so they don't they're not mm. killed for that reason no they're a, they're a genuine loving couple yeah yeah, yeah. so it's yeah I, I, I agree with you I love that yeah. it's great. so I mean look, Friday the 13th is referred to uh, by horror fans as Jason movies yeah and Jason is linked to all of them yes however Jason's not the antagonist in this movie his no. death is the inciting incident really that, that drives uh, Pamela Voorhees yes to commit these murders to keep the camp closed mm. So, yeah, we don't have Jason as the villain here. We have his mother. Yeah. Which is an unlikely twist. Again, Mm -hmm. if anything, this movie really is about subverting the idea of motherhood and maternal instincts. Because whilst one could argue it is a maternal instinct to protect your child, and yes, probably avenge your child, Mm. You're killing other children. <laughs> yes, they're teenagers. Mm. They're not fully fledged adults, really, are they? No, that's mm. true. Yeah. So, what did we think overall of Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees? Mm. Yeah, I really, I really like her quite a bit. Um, I was when we were watching it before, just couldn't help but think, oh, I wish she'd been introduced sooner. <laughs> yeah. Because as soon as she's on screen, she's just uh, magnetic mm. and and just so curious and interesting and just kind of a striking presence a bit like i i'm just trying to see if i can even remember before i knew the twist because i knew like growing up as a kid like you know jason's so heavy in pop culture yeah i had i had no idea that in the first film that he wasn't the bad guy like you know i had no idea um so i think i'm just trying to remember if i can you know, because they don't really try and make you believe for too long that, that Pamela's okay and she's here to help. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is probably good. But you can kind of tell that there's something a bit, you know, up when she when she's just like, oh, I'm not afraid. Yes. You know? It's um, these subtle looks that yeah, Betsy gives. Yeah. yeah. She's fascinating. And I love, like, you know, you mentioned Psycho mm. earlier. I love the fact that they've clearly been inspired by the Bates, by Norman. Yes. And his kind of dual personality going on where mm. here now it's the reverse it's the mother imitating the son you know embodying the son like yeah. and being and you know believing that he's telling her to do these things mm. to protect him to protect him yes yeah it's it's so effective and i love the close-ups 
that they do like the, what's the cinematographer's name i forget barry abrams barry he's i love those close-ups on her face yeah and the the way she changes her voice yeah you know it's it's just i think it's really awesome there's a lovely contradiction because of her wholesome everyday motherly look yeah to, to her tone and behavior yeah because when she's really nice at first mm. she's she is believable in to a degree and like she just seems like she's you know when she first arrives she's just very friendly and yeah. and welcoming and stuff and and there to help but you know it, it turns as, as i said you know pretty quickly yeah. um but no yeah she she is it's 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 nice that they can kind of have something so dark mm. look like that look like a wholesome kind of person yeah know? and she absolutely snaps into the sinister being that she is yeah. when she says he should have been watched yeah projecting yeah. that blame onto Alice. Mm. So Phil, how did you find Betsy Palmer as the villain of the piece this time? I definitely liked the twist. Again, the entire time you got that sort of masculine feel to mm. everything. You know, you, anytime you see a hand or you see mm. um, a, a boot or anything, you've you just got a masculine feel and yeah. then you've got to be mm. this elderly lady. Mm. Yeah, it is such a... I'll admit, that is a great twist. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Because, again, it plays on the genre expectations. Mm-hmm. We don't really see a woman, and especially a mother, behaving that way. Yeah. We, we have expectations based on gender, mm-hmm. don't we? And mm. she contradicts them. Mm-hmm. She contradicts a lot of the social and cultural codes here. And yet, one could argue... up upholds them too Mm. at the the very same time Mm. Uh, one of the most effective and famous scares in the film is when Jason does finally appear Mm. and that's a performance by Ari Lehman first actor to play Jason Voorhees and this appearance wasn't in the original script so the film was supposed to end with Alice on the Lake and that was it Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the um, crew members the uh, assistant to to tom savini had recently seen carrie and said (laughs) we need to do we need a seat jumper like carrie and so they workshopped and devised having having jason jump out of the lake and grab alice and it's awesome it is such a wonderful scare Mm. the way the serene music and you kind of expect something will come up but the way that that music just contorts and twists and goes ugly yeah and it matches jason coming in grabbing alice and pulling her under the water in slow motion yeah makeup is amazing everything Mm. about that moment is perfect and again one of the greatest seat jumpers in in horror movies oh for sure has to be phil how'd you find jason's debut um (laughs) outside of the fact that i was expecting it because again that is one of the uh parodied things that it's a famous scene that's it that's it um it was it was really good i really enjoyed how the makeup i really enjoyed how they filmed it again with that that uh slow motion freeze frame style thing that was really good you know, I just just really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah. Um, sorry, you go no, on. no, you go. Yeah. No, no. Um, I was just gonna say, like, I I think it is kind of uh, like while I lo- I freaking love the scene just for the the, the music and how it lulls mm. you into that false sense of security, but then at the same time, I'm just like. How far out is Alice into that lake that she can't hear the police calling out to her? Like, I, I, I don't know what that... That just kind of felt a bit. And the look on her face just was a bit... I don't know if she's, she's just been... She's just going, oh, I'm so exhausted because I'm so traumatized. Mm. But she just... I don't know. It was, it was weird. I found it, the setup of it weird. But the, the execution of this scare mm. itself uh, and the change of the score is phenomenal. I love it. 
This whole bit though just confused me. There is nothing about from the decapitation of the antagonist through to the uh, waking up in the bed. Mm. That whole block, mm. zero sense to me. Why has she gone out on the, yeah, the canoe to begin with? There, yeah. To me, there is... Probably to be away from the dead bodies. Yes, but yeah, even, maybe, with, maybe. even with that, maybe, yeah. very, be even, yeah. even taking the uh, fear and, and not thinking rationally into account, there is zero survival instinct going on. There's no paddle. <laughs> she's going into the middle of a lake where she's essentially isolated. Yes, okay, maybe mm. she's away, but if something's going to go to get her, it's got a clear shot at her. To me, it just made zero sense. Next thing I had trouble with... Hang on, let's go before you keep... Okay. Uh, before you go on this list. I just think after the trauma she's faced and the fact that you've got a decapitated woman on the edge of the lake and all of your friends around you with slit throats and so forth, it, I feel like it's a safe space for her. There's nothing coming to get her because she's killed the evil in her mind. And I just think it's that serenity of water, of needing to just be alone and isolated. She yeah. has not faced any issues in the water. No. It's all been on land. It's all been in a confined space. Yeah. So to me, that instinct is there. Let me just get away. It's the middle of the night. I'm not walking anywhere. Uh, there's no car to go to. Mm. And he's butchered in the front seat. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? For me, no, it makes sense. Then, no, it, look, I, that, it makes sense in that, in that aspect. And I can understand that. Mm. I just, I feel like they could have maybe portrayed it strongly because of the way she just kind of looks at Mrs. Voorhees and take like mm. takes it in, I guess, and then just turns and <clears throat> slow... Like, she doesn't rush to get away. She no. just kind of slowly ambles over to the canoe and gets in it. And, she tired. And then just... <laughs> yeah, so I, you kind of have to... I think, it, depending on the person, I guess, mm. I guess you kind of have to put two and two together in your head of yeah. to what she must be feeling, what she must be experiencing. And then with the fact that the police just kind of rock up, I'm like, who called the police? Yes. How did the police know to be there Definitely. right now? Why are they there? But then, then you have to kind of, you then have to kind of piece together. I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know, because a few hours earlier, you know, um, you know, Steve was being driven back mm. to camp by one of the cops. And so maybe they were probably just following up, making sure he got back to the camp okay because of the storm and everything. And then they've discovered this scene and Alice is in the middle of the lake mm. for some reason. Like, yeah, so that's just, you can't, I feel like you kind of have to, you know, build a bridge a little bit to get where you need to, to you do, be. You do piece it together if yeah. you want to overthink it. Yeah. But so maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm overthinking yeah. it a little bit. Well, because no, because it, do, doesn't, it doesn't ruin it for me. No, I mean, if you do want to over overthink it but if you again want to overthink it then you can easily as you've said yeah. you can easily piece it together why are there cops there well wasn't there a cop there earlier before cops have easy access to the camp steve's van and and car is there in the middle of nowhere mm. so yeah, yeah so they're following not, and they, and they yeah. know who but that then is i was also like and this is now more from a movie narrative mm. point of view but other than setting up a distrust of teenagers, what was the motorcycle cop there for? He was looking um, for so Ralph. He, he looking yeah, Ralph. For Ra the, yeah. 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 Okay, no, he was doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, fair enough. But the ending in itself, yeah, Jason pops out of the water. Fact or just a dream? Well, he, that's what I. another part of, of that that I like, another aspect mm. to that that I enjoy is the fact that they kind of... 
you know, it's, it's, it, it is very, again, similar to Carrie in that mm. aspect of like whether or not Sue actually experienced the oh, hand coming up through the grave. That ending. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, you get a hard cut from, from the boat and her being pulled under mm. to her waking up in the hospital bed. And then the police are like, what boy? There wasn't yeah. a boy. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I just love, I love the fact that she's utterly convinced and you cannot change mm. her mind. Um, and, but they don't, they don't really kind of go down that road or they don't get a chance to, I suppose, because they don't need to. That's the story mm. they're telling of, oh, okay, you're just traumatized. You're just a bit exhausted. Yes. Maybe you're, you're seeing things that aren't there kind of thing. But I, yeah, I really like that they kind of leave that up to the audience to that. That's that kind of thing is when I'm okay, when you don't have to mm. mentally go, okay, this must mean this. And therefore it's this, Yeah. Where in this case you can, it can go either way. And that's the beauty of an open ending like this, I think. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that as an isolated um, movie, mm. yeah, it's left open-ended as a franchise. I'm assuming he does exist. <laughs> I don't know, Phil, does he? <laughs> I'm not watching the others to find out. Did they, can I ask a question? Did you they, may ask. Did they know, I'm guessing they probably didn't, because you said they weren't originally going to include this ending. That's correct. They didn't know that there, were, there was going to be a part two, three, four, no. five, etc. No, the idea behind it was that if there were going to be more films, it would be an anthology series. Mm. So the track that Halloween tried by part three failed miserably and yeah. returned to Michael in four. True. So... The intention for everyone involved in part one is that Jason's arrival, if you will, yeah. uh, is a dream. Okay. So it plants the seed by Alice saying, maybe he's still there. I love okay. that, that even yeah. though they it was a clean story, but it's just the, the legacy, the horror lives on. The evil is still there mm-hmm. through the sun. Mm. And when they start to do part two, yes, one could argue... It's a new chapter because Jason is the antagonist in that. So they've got that mentality of anthology behind them. Mm-hmm. But then they decide to stick to, to the character. Yeah. They try something different in part five, which is polarizing for audiences. Mm-hmm. And then go back to their roots in part six. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then they try something different in part nine. Mm-hmm. And the director gets slaughtered by a lot of fans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So they do try to mix it up every now and then. Yeah. So within the context of this film, Jason exists in a dream. Mm-hmm. So you can leave it at that. Okay. Or you can then accept some justifications and some uh, wonderful explanations or theories put forward in part two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he is alive and well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's a wonderful legacy. It is. That this film has given us in terms of influence for other slasher movies. Any slasher movie that you see... Today, especially if it's a part of a franchise, you owe to Friday the 13th. Oh, definitely. Because it creates the formula. Yeah, yeah. It takes from a lot of movies, uh, as we've said, and a lot of other styles, because it was not the first slasher film, but it made it what the slasher film is today. Mm -hmm. And most significantly, it showed that slashers could be turned into a franchise. It was Mm -hmm. a franchise before Halloween was a franchise. So the sequels came rolling in before the Halloween sequels did. And... Interestingly enough, the Halloween sequels then start to more resemble the Friday the 13th films in terms of style and kills and so forth, uh, but are altogether inferior. I'll leave it at that because <laughs> yeah. it's very much Halloween versus Friday the 13th mm. with the fans. Yes. <laughs> very nice. 
<laughs> and of course, we have Jason Voorhees, one of the most iconic figures in popular culture mm. around the world mm-hmm. and synonymous with Friday the 13th. A lot of people feel it's an unlucky day, but I love this franchise and I love Jason Voorhees so much. Friday the 13th is always a very lucky day for me. Yeah. Good things happen to me on Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think I really need to uh, watch part two because I've never seen part two. Okay. And That's I, a date, Kendall. Yeah, just because... Um, Knock yourselves out. <laughs> just, be, <laughs> just because, you know, uh, you know, because of who Jason is yeah. in popular culture, you know, the chainsaw, the hockey mask, yeah. the whole... Look, the machete. Yeah. Like everything about him. Yeah. Which, uh, interestingly, yeah. though, does not begin in part two. Oh, yeah. wrong again. Yeah. Okay, part three. Part three. Okay, right. I need yes. to watch. I, okay, this is, this is, they know how to rip you in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, this is how I get Kendall to watch the entire wow. franchise with me. God, I'm yeah. just not. I, so, so Jason's evolution to wow. what we know him to be today. Doesn't. Goes over quite a few films. Well, I had, yeah. I had no idea. There so, yeah, Jason is this this supernatural force now right so he can't be killed yeah that's how he is yeah he's not like that for the first few films he's no. a normal human yeah well, wow. you know normal, as normal who decides as to, to to slaughter people but yeah <laughs> yeah uh but you know but he is uh, he's an average body and you know can can feel things and, and yeah. is in pain and can be stopped a lot easier okay. it's a gorgeous evolution of a character I need to watch the rest and of these. yeah he goes from pure antagonist yeah if you will to uh-huh. anti-hero Oh, cool. Yeah. I like that. So That's there's cool. a lot more more depth and complexity in these gorgeous slasher films than we like to give credit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you, but watching this film, you can really see how it has influenced so yeah. many other films of the genre. Like, but it's such it's a crazy. Cl- it's such a clean film, though. It is. For its budget and for the resources yeah. they had, it is just so clean and well cut and put together no surprise to me this was a huge box office hit Mm. um and so i thank you philip and kendall for joining me in celebrating 40 years years. friday the 13th thanks for having us for this oh awesome always a pleasure and yes it's a movie i'm happy to talk about for hours and hours and hours (laughs) but i think it's time for us to wrap up kendall your final thoughts and a score out of five okay here we are it's that time again yes so yeah, I, I, as I was just saying, like, yeah, you can really see the how this film has gone on to become such a classic, how it has influenced so many films of the genre of horror. Like, it's just, it's crazy. For me, it's not a perfect film. I mean, very few films are perfect, but there are a lot of flaws in this that I personally can't whistle past, but they're not detrimental to the overall film for me because it's still a film that I enjoy and I have enjoyed for a number of years. I like to watch and, and revisit mostly for, for Mrs. Voorhees and, and Kevin Bacon. Uh, mm. they're, they're, the, they're the two MVPs of the film for me. Mm. <laughs> little biased maybe, I don't know. No, I, I, I really love how creative it is with the kills and what it chooses to show and not show. Some Most of the cinematography is amazing. Some of it's a little questionable in parts. Pacing also fantastic in parts in, with, in regards to building tension, but then in some scenes it just kind of lingers maybe too long on on mundane kind of uh movements and stuff but um but for the most part 
cohesively as a film. It works really well. Some of the acting is, is left to be desired in certain parts, but mostly it's good. Like, it's only in a couple of scenes, I think, that it's not as strong. But um, overall, it's generally good. And like you were saying earlier, Wayne, mm. the rapport amongst the, the, the ensemble, the cast of these <clears throat> wonderful young actors is just awesome to watch and you really feel terrible that they've had to suffer so greatly at the end of their lives you know like this and the fact that this film also just takes something as so wholesome and fun and idolized as like a summer camp that kids look forward to going into turning into this place of horrific tragedy it's just awesome and that's one uh, one trope i love that horror movies do but yeah oh gosh um if i was going to give it a score out of five i think it would be a Three and a half, mm. if I may. Three and a half <laughs> out of five for me. Philip. Yes, obviously I struggled with this movie. And I'm also going to struggle giving it a score because in terms of my own personal feelings with it all, not that in, you know, not, not great, not impressed, not etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But in terms of the legacy that it has left, in terms of actual you know, being made and the budget that it had and, mm. and, and what it has actually done for cinema, I have to respect that. I have to admire that. So to sort of average out the two, mm. I will give it a respectable three out of five. There's no surprise that I don't mind this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's just such a wonderful uh, slasher movie. It's such a great scary movie it's the type of story you huddle around in a circle and have the torch to your face as you talk about these camp counselors getting killed off one by one (laughs) i love that we've got some great visual effects here the makeup is just absolute perfection from tom savini again based on the resources they had none of the cgi it was all practical effects and done so well the film took from other horror movies from the 60s and 70s and brought the best elements and put them together it's what a lot of contemporary filmmakers do now it brought together a bunch of uh, young actors who some went off to do great things others uh, who went away from the business but are still you know surviving and thriving which is lovely and who are a part of this wonderful community i agree with you kendall that the acting is a little bit choppy sometimes i think we can see the different levels of experience among the kids here but i think the fact that they just get along so well helps us overlook that we're happy to be in their company as well i love the way that this is shot and film, I just think it's absolutely stunning. I do agree that it gets a bit sluggish in some pacing, but in saying that, some of those sluggish moments, if you will, are elevated by the score and the building of tension. There's probably more in the film than actually needs to be, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I like the balance of showing you some really impressive and creative kills that we hadn't seen before mm. and leaving things up to your imagination yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. The the key to this, though, is Betsy Palmer as Pamela Voorhees yeah. because she's the antagonist all the way through and when we have her reveal in the final act, I like her battle with Alice. I think Betsy and Adrian do a really good job. It feels very basic I suppose there's nothing flashy but I think that's what also makes it so relatable and and makes it scarier because it's just all household items and 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 we're there in the room with them the camera's always that little bit shaky and it's always trapping these kids in 
and we can't help them and mm. we don't know what we would do yeah. in that scenario i always like to think that i would be the brave hero but because i know who i am i know i'm whimpering in a corner <laughs> <laughs> and just and, and, and behaving in a really desperate manner i can't take away from the fact that this gave us the greatest horror villain of all time and yes the film, I agree, actually is not perfect. There are better horror movies than this. And one could argue there are better slasher movies than this. Hello, Hitchcock's Psycho. Yes. Uh, but Friday the 13th is very much up there. It is a part of Americana. It is a part of the, the subgenre of slasher in terms of horror movies. And it gave us some pretty good sequels as well. I really do enjoy this movie a lot. I've seen it multiple times and we'll see it many more times again. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Four and a half from me. Oh, nice. Excellent. So, Philip, what are we reviewing next time? Next time, I am bringing to the table the children's comedy, (laughs) 2019's Horrible Histories, the movie Rotten Romans. (laughs) Okay, lovely. Love your history. Yes. Mm. And a change of pace. But there still might be some bloodshed. There there may (laughs) be. And bloodshed and poop. Oh, of course. Why not? Because it's horrible (laughs) histories. (laughs) We're looking forward to watching that. Have not seen that one. So until then, I've been Wayne Cellini. I've been a Kendall Richardson. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And you've You've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Oh, shut up, will you? Kendall, where's the machete? (laughs) Kill him, mommy. Kill him. And scene. (laughs) Blooper reel. G'day. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey. Oh, whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting. And have I done that wrong? I haven't. I'm sorry. Start again. So you hesitated and I thought, oh, shit, I've missed something. I love that you made it my fault. <laughs> oh no! G'day! Hello! Hello! Hey! hey. <laughs> Whoa! I'm Wayne Delaney. And I'm Philip Hunting, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we. Oh, that one was my fault. Yeah. Where we. we, we, we. <laughs> so it was the one before, but we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we've got to sit here for an hour, maybe, to yeah. discuss this film. Hell yes. no! I won't go! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're going to make it through now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm protesting. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Nice. Oh, of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And what's today's film, Wayne? Even trying to look at it subjectively, it... Subjectively? Objectively. Objectively. <clears throat> and I think that's because we the eras had such a turmoil-filled... Tum- tumultuous? The eras had such a tumultuous... Um, Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what's it called? What's the thing? What's the motivation called? <coughs> <coughs> Driving force? No, it's a single word. 
It's it's like it's a it's a story it's a story mm. time. Um, you all know it when you hear it. Yeah. Inciting incident. No, you said it's one word. Um, Catalyst. MacGuffin. Uh, no, he's not the MacGuffin. No, MacGuffin's a thing you gotta go get. No, that's okay. I'll just keep going. I can't think of it. It's all right. Mm. I might play with inciting incident though. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But in terms of the legacy that it has, like. Li- <laughs> 